Well Within Reach is brought to you by Riverside MyChart, your simple, secure, and confidential online health connection. With just a click, Riverside MyChart lets you stay well connected to the same information your doctor sees. You can request prescription refills, pay your bills, schedule your next appointment, and more. Manage your care from your laptop, tablet, or phone. Whether for yourself, your kids, or the grandparents, MyChart makes your busy life just a little easier. Learn more and enroll today at RiversideMyChart.org. Just another way to stay well connected from Riverside Healthcare. Riverside Healthcare puts the health and wellness information you need well within reach. And today we are joined by Dr. Brad Supernaw. Dr. Supernaw is an electrophysiologist with the Riverside Medical Group. Doctor, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. We appreciate you joining us. And today we're going to talk, be talking about ultimately pacemaker technology and how it's advanced into to, to now where we're putting in what's, what's being called the world's smallest pacemaker. Kind of amazing stuff. Um, as we get into that, though, we're going to start with a little bit of your background. Um, you're a local guy. I am. Area. Yeah, I was born at uh, St. Mary's Hospital. I grew up here. I went to Steuben grade school, East Junior High School, and then Bradley Bourbonnet High School. And uh, where was your medical schooling? Medical schooling was Chicago Osteopathic in Hyde Park. Oh, very good. And an electrophysiologist. Let's talk a little bit about what that is. So an electrophysiologist is a cardiologist, a heart doctor that specializes into electrical disorders of the heart. Mm -hmm. So we see people with electrical arrhythmias. Um, people dizzy, lightheaded, pass out, blackout, things uh, like that. Uh, um, a lot of different causes for that kind of thing? There can be. Uh, sometimes uh, there can be significant heart disease related with the electrical disorder of the heart. Sometimes it can be otherwise healthy people, so it could be yeah. a variable. Yeah. And so heart failure, the heart just isn't pumping as efficiently as it as it needs to, which can lead to these symptoms you're talking about, dizziness and, light, and yes, things like heart that. heart failure just means the heart cannot provide adequate blood support to the body's functions and organs. Yeah, and the cause of that can be a um, multitude of, of things. A, lot, a lot of things, yes. But what you're able to do is with, with pacemaker technology, allow the heart to pump better? Is that an act? Uh, layman's way to put it? Predominant uh, function of a pacemaker is to prevent the heart rate from going too slow. So that's basically the, the primary function of a pacemaker is to prevent it from going too slow. We can use pacing therapy to help with functioning of the heart and make it pump a little better sometimes uh -huh. with multiple leads, but that's uh -huh. primarily the function. Yeah. From the time you started in medical school to today, I'm guessing there's been quite a, uh, an advancement in pacemaker technology. Yeah, there, there has been quite a significant advancement in pacemaker technology. The the type of pacemakers, the size of pacemakers, how they're implanted, um, the diagnostics on the pacemaker to allow us to evaluate patients' symptoms and problems um, yeah. has significantly evolved over that period of time. Yeah. So. And, and changing from, an uh, as we were talking before, we, we went on the air here, uh, an open procedure that really required kind of extensive surgery to now, that isn't necessarily the case. That's correct. Uh, pacemakers are put in what we call percutaneously or through the skin. And traditional pacemakers are implanted through the vein with leads that go through the vein into the heart. 
with a pacemaker device that's placed in the chest wall. Yeah. Now, is there still the need for some of the big open procedures to put a, a larger pacemaker in, or is that are those days gone? Those days are pretty much gone. There's yeah. no need for that at this point in time. So. Oh, wow. To the point where now we're talking about what's called the world's smallest pacemaker. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. It, it has a different, it has a real name besides just that. That's the uh, Micra Transcatheter Pacing System. So it's put in through the vein and it's cosmetically invisible. So it's just like a small pellet that goes into the heart. A small pellet. Yes. Wow. Like the size of a large vitamin. Yeah. And what, who would be a candidate for that, that type of pacemaker? Uh, patients that just need single chamber pacing that have dizziness or lightheadedness where the heart rate goes too slow, that they need stimulus of the heart to contract. Um, they would be a candidate for that type yeah. of pacemaker. Heart month last year or the year before, one of the heart months, we did a, a quiz, a heart quiz. And um, I'm not remembering all the answers to that quiz. We have a perfect <laughs> guy here to, to help us with this. The anatomy of the heart. How many, are there four chambers of the there heart? There are four chambers of the heart. So if if we said one or multiple chambers aren't aren't working right, that that's what happens to people sometimes. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you can stimulate the heart one chamber and the whole heart will contract, but uh, there's advantages sometimes to stimulate the upper chamber and the lower chamber sequentially, or even both lower chambers to help with heart failure. So the type of pacing devices really select to the patient's needs. Now, does that, okay, let me ask a few things here. The youngest patient you, you've ever put a pacemaker into, I mean, is this something that does occasionally happen to younger people? It does. Uh, you know, fortunately, the need for younger patients is very few and far between, but I've placed pacemakers in somebody as young as 18 years of age. Mm. So, And and um, I guess every case would be different, but whether that individual is going to need that for life or if there's an, is it episodic that what, they need a pacemaker for a while and then ultimately don't need one? Or is it something that generally you need for life? Generally, the intent is once you put the pacemaker in, it's in there for life because it will scar down mm -hmm. and it can be problematic to remove it from the body at that sure. point in time. Yeah. So well, that would make sense. What the average age of someone who needs a pacemaker? Typically, the elderly population over the age of 60, 65. Oh. Um, and and for the, again, we'll talk a little bit about the symptoms. If somebody's feeling not right, um, generally the first uh, first defense would be to go to your primary care provider. And if they're telling you that they think it's a heart issue, then they might refer to you or another cardiologist. That's correct. Yes. You know? And then you would diagnose and, and decide if, if a think a pacemaker is going to be the solution to their problem. That's correct. Typically, we would see people who pass out, black out, become extremely dizzy or lightheaded. Um, they will see their primary care physician. They'll do the cursory workup. And then if they feel that uh, it could be an electrical disorder of the heart, we will get referred to that patient. Yeah. And what, what would be the time from diagnosis to the actual time of putting the pacemaker in most times? Is that a fairly quick Sometimes process? it can be quite quick when it's pretty obvious and straightforward on just a 12-lead EKG, or sometimes it can be uh, long-term where you need further monitoring to, to determine what the reason is for that yeah. problem. And it, it sounds like with, you know, the, just hearing, I, you have to put a pacemaker in somebody or they have to you need now use a pacemaker, that sounds like a very invasive, life-changing kind of thing. Is it, is it that way? Well, it's invasive, but it's certainly a very uh, small surgical procedure, so it's not very complicated procedure anymore. Yeah. And the complications associated with implantation of a device like that is pretty low. Oh. And once it's in, 
is again is it is it drastic lifestyle changes that the individual has to go through no the they basically everything they were doing before once the device is healed they should be doing afterwards so yeah. even things the biggest um, holdback was mri capabilities uh, uh, getting mri scans that are very important for diagnostic measures for healthcare now recent pacemakers have gotten over that, and now you can have an MRI with a pacemaker. Um, that's a f- relatively new technology that you're that you're using. Yes, it was uh, approved by the FDA in 2016, so it's a new technology that's become available. Yeah, and and the, and again, those candidates that are that are are good candidates for this specific pacemaker would be patients who need just single chamber pacing, mm-hmm. who need rate support, meaning the heart rate is too slow that they you need to provide them contractility of the heart and the stimulus to beat. Yeah. And, um, and I'm going to go back to the lifestyle thing. Once someone, I mean, doctors always talk about a healthy lifestyle, exercise, diet, good diet, all those kinds of things. That's obviously going to be the same advice for somebody who has a, as a pacemaker. Are there any other kinds of things that they need to be conscious of uh, post uh, pacemaker? Other than the healing of the incision and, and assuring that the leads do not dislodge from the heart, we usually tell them to take it easy for a couple of weeks. But uh, beyond that, their activity level uh, will be the same once yeah. that heals in. And we encourage uh, to keep a healthy, active lifestyle. Sure. Um, you know, back to talking about over the span of your career, the, the, the health of the population that you're seeing. You know, over the over the last few decades, there's been um, I think we're more health conscious, but I don't know that we've really improved our health. We know the things we're supposed to do, and I'm you know I'll raise my hand, be the first one to say I know all the things I'm supposed to do. I just don't enjoy doing them, therefore I don't. The piece of chocolate is much better than the piece of the broccoli that I'm supposed to eat. Are you seeing what What are you seeing over the course of your career in, in patients nowadays? Uh, certainly, we all know what we're supposed to be doing. It's it's easier to say than do, but uh, I do see that people are more engaged in, in an active, healthy lifestyle, but it's a twofold thing. We In the hospital, we see sicker and sicker patients every day, oh. and it's mainly because of insurance capabilities and stuff like that, that we're seeing a much sicker population in the hospital, but a much healthier population in our offices. Uh, and you, you, the, the cath, most catheter, or excuse me, um, pacemaker procedures are probably, you know, they go home the next day or even same day possibly. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. Most of them go home the following morning. Yeah. So the days of long hospital stays for that kind of procedure, that doesn't happen anymore. No, it does not. Yeah. And, and is that a benefit? I mean, is that... I have to say that I think that's a, a positive thing, and people want to get back to their life more quickly. That's certainly very positive, and the sooner you can get the patient up moving and, and active, it's certainly healthier for the patient. Nobody wants to stay in the hospital anyway. So. Yeah, well, that's, that's true. The, um, the, the contact that you have with the primary care provider of the patient, again, if it, most oftentimes an ailment or somebody's not feeling like they'll go to their primary care doctor, if they're referred to you, then there has to be good communication between you and their primary care doctor. Is that uh, the patient rest assured that that's, that's always happening? Uh, it, it's certainly happening, and it's easier to happen now with all the electronic health records and interaction between the physicians now is much easier to communicate than it was before. So uh, again, back to you know when you started your career, a lot of things have changed, including things like that. Now Riverside has my chart, uh, which which allows folks to kind of look at the same things their doctor's saying and communicate more directly. Again, all this all this leads to we would think a, a better, more health conscious population. 
it should. Uh, it should. Uh, it should lead to asking more questions about, well, what does this mean? Why, why do I do this? Yeah. Or why do I need this medication? Yeah. So. Do you see patients coming in better informed uh, overall than they used to be? I, I think they are better informed, but they everybody needs help to understand what they're reading as well. You know, sometimes it can be a double-edged sword. Misinterpretation of this information that they're pulling off the Internet it could be they, they still need help in to, uh, understanding what that information means. Yeah. Um, again, we started talking about the uh, the small catheter, the microtranscatheter pacing system, it's called. Uh, and pacing, it refers to the pacing of the heart, making sure the heart's beating in correct rhythm, all of that. Uh, correct. It's, it's to make the heart beat. What people don't understand is a lot of times they can have rhythm disorders of the heart and palpitations and irregularities and feel that the pacemaker is going to correct that problem. It's not going to correct that problem. Hmm. Pacemaker only prevents the heart rate from going too slow. Oftentimes, we will need to give them medications to correct the other problem in addition to the pacemaker or do catheter ablations or things to correct other electrical disorders of the heart. I see. So, yeah. So, again, back to information, making the patients understand all of that. And so the un their expectation is set appropriately. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um, you mentioned medications. Have that... Have they um, affected the number of pacemakers you're putting in these days? Have they, has medications in some degrees replaced what uh, what pacemakers used to do? Yeah, unfortunately, medications don't help stimulate the heart to beat faster. So oftentimes, medications will slow the heart rate down, and we're using those medications to treat other things like heart failure or other rhythm problems. And oftentimes, we have to utilize pacing therapy to allow us to use those medications to treat other issues. So they're used in combination a lot of times. And unfortunately, there are no good medications that can increase the heart rate where you don't need the pacemaker. Mm. It's usually the opposite that maybe we can take this medication away where your heart rate won't be so slow if you don't absolutely need that medication. Yeah. Well, Dr. Brad Supernaw, I'm sure we would tell folks if they're they think they're having they're, they're not feeling right see their primary care doctor if it's a heart issue and they get referred to you uh they know they're in good hands and if they need a pacemaker you're the guy to see i, I would hope so <laughs> yeah, and, and you can find information about dr Subin on the riverside website and doctor we appreciate you joining us for the podcast today well thank you for having me